This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I kind of want to say something different than all right. Mm, steady away. There you go. How are you? I am reasonably good. Reasonably good. Travelling a bit for work at the moment and came back to mine after travelling a lot yesterday. And you know these moments of like superhuman will where I did not want to do anything. I am. I don't, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> ended up ended up cooking the best meal I've cooked in a while. Oh, from a place of sheer exhaustion, I was like, "No, you've got to do this. You've got to like power through." And I did it. Shout out to the MVP spinach. What I love about spinach is you can have like you can have like three kilos of spinach and put it in a pan, and it just disappears to like <laughs> yeah, man, three forkfuls. So yeah, yeah, a good time was had by all last night in my flat, all being me and my spinach. <laughs> you and the spinach. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, yeah. I wonder if uh, any other podcast has ever said the word shout out to the MVP spinach. I don't even think food podcasts have probably done that. <laughs> spinach is undefeated. But it was so nice actually coming back after like a day of travel to have the Champions League to look forward to. You know, yeah. like we're just, you're just settling in, you're like quiet night in, rain's hammering down outside, single figure temperature and the Champions League is just, honestly, man. Yeah, I mean, it's always a fun night watching Europe's second best (laughs) 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 listen that's why it's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because it's warming up for the Europa League that's true it's true I don't make the rules Musa I just I'm just a stickler of all them this was a really fun round by the way I got it was great it was great I enjoyed it uh, let's get uh, before we before we move on I just want to we just want to say we hope everyone's staying safe staying well wherever you are in the world Um, yeah like we mentioned on Monday some it's it's a lot it's a lot you're going to be on Writer's House tomorrow with Mioa and Ian. Mm. You're going to be chatting a little bit about Bill Kenwright, who yes. passed away this week. Um, yeah, we mentioned it on Writer's House, but thoughts with his friends and family sending condolences out. Did a lot for Everton. 
did a lot for that community. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for him because it did, obviously did not end how he wanted and how he no. envisaged. Yeah. No. But um, um, I think people will remember the, the good stuff that you brought. Yeah, I hope so. I um, hope so. But yeah. Um, so you're going to talk about that. You're going to talk about a couple of other bits and bobs as well. Uh, maybe look ahead to the Manchester Derby. Mm. which is this weekend uh, so yeah go check that on Friday and also go check Counterpressed Flow and the Gang got you covered for all things women's football yes yeah, so today it's Champions League time it is so should we just get straight into it let's do it alright this episode is brought to you by State Farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbour State Farm is there They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, man, shall we begin on Tyneside? We shall. Because what a bloody game of football. This was a what a game of football. As a Dortmund, neutral, Dortmund came ready. Dortmund came ready. Could have been two all in the first twelve minutes, mm. maybe. Yeah. Um, so Dortmund beat in Newcastle one 0 at St James's Park. Metro with the only goal of the game, very similar to Mesut Özil's first Arsenal goal for Nap- against Napoli. Generous, generous. The Özil finish was a paintbrush. This is a gorgeous goal. Don't get me wrong. In terms. The construction. It's like when bands do cover versions of really famous tunes and they're good, but they're not, they're never really going to have the magic of the, the original. <laughs> Hot take for this game as a headline. Dortmund won because they played Newcastle at their own game. The two decisive points of this game, the tone being set by the Marlins counterattack within a, like 90 seconds, mm. which is how Newcastle started, especially how Newcastle starting at home are ferocious and Dortmund must have had the brief or the instruction get at them early. This is what they do. So they did that to start with and that set the tone for Dortmund who had 40, um, 40% possession but more shots. They were really much in the mood of smash and grab in this game and they got lucky at the end but they had their smash and grab mentality and the goal they scored, a classic Newcastle thing, quick turnover once Gordon runs in trouble halfway up the field and then they just were ruthless mm. and they had <clears throat> clearly, it was, it was just fascinating to watch a team come to St. James's Park, which was, again, loud, and play with, with bravery, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, though, in the opening bit of that game, that, or, or even before the game, when, you know, Newcastle fans had the, the like, choreos going. Mm. Um, probably the one side in that group who was just not going to be phased by that. Right, yeah, because you know, look where they play every week. Right, right, exactly, yeah. and that's and I, I think that it's a different kind of noise. But I mean, honestly, when, I think I said before, like the loudest I can remember ever being in a stadium was for a, uh, a Revier derby, so Dortmund against Schalke at mm. the at the Westfalen. My like my ears were pierce, like it was ear piercing. Wow, ear piercing is that the word? Not that I didn't come out with a load of earrings. Yeah. I just meant that. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Like, um, the eardrums took a battering. Yeah, it was very, 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 very loud indeed. So yeah, I don't think, and I don't think, uh, I mean, if you compare the responses of the opening 20 minutes, similar atmospheres, right? Mm. PSG just could not deal with that for some no, reason. They just no. couldn't figure it out. They couldn't really get, get their, their heads in the game. 
Dortmund, on the other hand, I mean, it's worth noting, I think this first 45 minutes is the best I've seen Dortmund this season. I was going to say, this is as a, as a performance from Terzic, under Terzic, that is as good yeah, and, as I've seen in, and, in context. And it, it's, it's a bit, it's a little bit bittersweet in a right. way. Where was because, this a few months ago? <laughs> well, it's not even where was this a few months ago. It's where, where, where is this? Because um, missing Julian Brandt, which is a big miss for them, but it allowed them to kind of not worry too much about ball circulation, just really worry and just really focus on just kind of like going after Newcastle, mm. using the pace up front, using Royce as a link player and just kind of really going at them. Marlon, that's one of the most dangerous games I've seen him for Dortmund. His use of possession, um, his sharpness, if he'd got that goal, the one that he bent narrowly over, that, this would have been a headline performance, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, he was really good. But, the, but then you saw it in the, I mean, even if you look at like the field tilt, mm. you know, in the second half, when, when Terzic started to make those changes, Dortmund conceded all of the momentum to Newcastle. Yeah. And that was when they started to look a bit ropey. And yes. they didn't actually need to do it because I think there were more goals in that for Dortmund. I think so. Even though it felt like Newcastle had loads and loads of chances, Dortmund had more shots. They had more shots on target. They, beat, they, they had a higher XG. The only difference was that Newcastle missed three big chances to Dortmund's one. The Gordon one was the one. That was the one. Because I think, first of all, shout out to Isaac for brilliant decision-making, um, drawing a crowd of defenders and then just popping it out, just sort of mm. NBA-style pick and pop, you know. Um, out to Gordon, and Gordon then had a really good angle when he first got the ball. Mm. And, but he allowed, allowed to slightly run across him and Kobol got the great save in. And that mm. was just a great position from Kobol. But I think that goal at that point changes it changes it changes the atmosphere the energy all of it yeah I think also the Dortmund could have had one or, or two in that it, like they had a couple of really good opportunities in that opening one there was one that um, I mean Pope made that double save oh which that was oh really my God. good as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it basically came to the same place twice didn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah it was yeah. that yeah I think keepers love those because they look better than they probably actually yeah. are you know <laughs> first save was great though yeah but first both, save both was amazing yeah, yeah. but um Newcastle lost um, Alexander Izak after a quarter of an hour, but I actually thought that Callum Wilson did really well. He, I don't think they lost. I mean, obviously losing Alexander Izak is, is is a blow to any side, but I think I think Wilson got into positions and in linked play just as like just as well as I think Izak would have throughout the rest of the game, which is, which is saying a lot. He's, Izak, maybe just yeah. maybe Izak probably just finishes one of those. Mm. But yeah, I just think. That first half Dortmund, I would love to see it all the time because they have the energy, they have the technical capability and they have like the quality to really hurt teams, mm. especially in this competition where I think some teams want to go on the front foot and therefore leave themselves a bit more open at the back. But then, yeah, you saw the kind of the slight, maybe overthinking of it, from, not overthinking, but the slight, the caution from Terzic in the second half, which I think nearly cost Dortmund. Mm. But you can see why he went cautious. You know what? Because you look at the Premier League games as well, where Newcastle just run right against teams. Yeah. Um, and it's the strange thing, isn't it? When you're in a position of not dominance, but superiority against a team like Newcastle on their pitch with that crowd, it's almost counterintuitive to go at them more. Mm. It is. You know, so to your, to your point, I, I agree with you. Should have been maybe more enterprising because there were more goals there. But also at the same time, seeing the XG, seeing the experience of seeing the XG, seeing the experience mm. of PSG there, seeing the experience of teams in the Premier League that go there, 
there was almost this element, I think, of let's get what we came for, um, sit deep and just lock it up, mm. which doesn't actually, again, ironically, doesn't really work against Newcastle. They're just too good to do that. They're too good to do that for, for 90 minutes and be comfortable at the end. We mm. saw that. We saw it in the last five minutes, actually, as the legs, as the legs went for Dortmund mm. and Newcastle just turned on that pressure cooker. I thought Nico Schlotterbeck was very assured in this game. I mean, he was key, into, he, key for the goal, winning the ball back off Gordon, breaking forward, squaring it for Mecher. Um, but he also had that one where, was it actually on Gordon's one where he cut inside? And he thought about going after it a little bit, either with his head or with his chest, and then he actually left it for Koble to save. And it was a really smart move. I just thought he had a pretty all-round performance. I think that was a that was a big game for him. He's had a good season, actually. You know, it's funny. in there, yeah. I was looking at the table and I thought to myself, this is the most streetwise team Newcastle mm. have played so far in the Champions League. Mm. Like, if you look at, um, maybe that's not the biggest compliment given the state PSG have been in. Um, I think it's been a while since someone's called Dortmund streetwise as well. Right, well, this is the thing I was thinking last night. I was like, Dortmund are actually streetwise. Dortmund are actually... Like even possessions where they got the ball high up the field, I think Adeyemi in and around, you know, who was, by the way, was brilliant before he got his injury last year. It was a crucial injury for them, a bad time, worst time of the season. There were times I didn't get the ball. And instead of like surging into space, waiting, patient, possession football, I just thought, I love this. This is like, this is like elite decision-making at a key stage of a game from a young player. So to go there and do what they did, I remember thinking last night as I was watching it, this is as impressive a face of the new Dortmund as I've seen, you know, just looking assured in the Champions League and I hope they can take this over into the league, really. PSG beating Milan in the other game. Mm. 3-0. One for Mbappe, one for Colomwani. Lee getting the, the third. Uh, Kang in Lee getting the Lovely third. Goal. It was a great goal, actually. Yep, yeah. But Warren Zaya Emery, 17 years old. He's looked good since he came into that side for the very first time. And boy, does he look good. Fabian Ruiz was just like, did I leave Naples for this? <laughs> I can't even get in the side. I didn't like the Ruiz move much at the time anyway, to be honest. I think that no, there's other clubs. Yeah. Well, you know, Napoli didn't mind. They won the league. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean, I, look, that would have, I said this before, but he would have been a great signing for Arsenal. But anyway, that's my own. Um, or anyone, frankly. But, but yeah, yeah. Zaya Emery, is, I'm a big fan of like central midfielders when they break in and, and Jude Bellingham had this mm. where it's just like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Like I'm in midfield, give me the ball. Mm. Remember that, we talk about this quite a lot, but when Messi started trusting Ansu Fati. Yes, yeah. And actually looking for Ansu Fati because he knew he was going to do the right thing. That you've already, you can already see Mbappe doing that with Zaya Emery. Um. And I think that's a big compliment because I think there have been many players that Mbappe's just like, nah, I'm good. Well, we're beginning to see the team that Luis Enrique wants in his building and also like um, sporting director's been building or recruiting. And it is not as thrilling as, well, in terms of a lineup, but it looks like it has more cohesion. And this is, this is this, look, they, they handled Milan at home. It's not necessarily the biggest... Uh, the biggest like like new rollout for a brilliant team, but it is. You look at the midfield and it's solid actually. Mm. Um, it's solid. They moved the ball forward well. They circulated well. It's a good platform for the attack. Mbappe looked reasonably happy on the flank. I still don't look. I, 
The interesting thing is going to be if Mbappe does move and you have the Vinicius Mbappe standoff, because he just looks more comfortable out left than anywhere else in the field, doesn't he? Like when he's there, he just does whatever he wants, I think. Mm. Um, and that was the, the key problem for Milan. Great save from Mike Maignan, by the way, before I forget. Yeah, he, uh, he needed it though, because he had that little slight error before, I think, mm. which, which cost him. But, um, the, the thing that really annoyed me about this was Jonathan Pierce saying PSG lead against the three-time Kings of Europe. What? Yeah, because what? they've won three Champions Leagues and four of them were, Euro- uh, were European Cups. Just say seven. They have been Kings of Europe seven times. Why did he? Why what? are you minimizing clubs' yeah, achievements like, before how, the Champions League era? Really, I mean that's that's absolutely wild. That I was watching the zone, the the German stuff. That's wild that he said that. Yeah, but, I mean you have to check someone on that. That's ridiculous. I don't know why that is happening. They have they they have won seven European Cups. Four of uh, three of them were Champions Leagues. The three-time kings of Europe. That's that's ridiculous. It's Milan. Like and Milan. The, European <laughs> Cup, the European Cup was harder because they were all champions. They were and actually champions. Have, and it was straight knockout, two legs, and you used to have to go they places that you've never ever actually been before. Champions. Stop this nonsense. Wow, do you Stop know what that is? Nonsense. That sounds a little that sounds like the football equivalent there, Musa, of uh, if you just stopped buying avocados, you could have a mortgage. No, it's not the same at all. It's not I the don't same know, you know. It was harder same. back in my day. It was harder back in my day. It was. It was. <laughs> no, she was. Actually, it was. It was. It was. It was. Take people and put I'm them on. I'm just teasing you, by the no, way. No, 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 no. But joking aside, the Champions League's basically been designed to make it harder and harder and harder for top-seeded teams to get knocked out. For random. Yeah. yeah it's hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally being as we speak. I mean, come on, buddy. Like, come on. And anyway. This, this, you know, I think maybe it's the Sir Bobby Charlton thing, like him passing this week, that gives me that sympathy for older times because you look at the conditions they were playing under. Yeah. And yeah, the balance yeah. on those pitches. Oh my God. Like, it'd be so, they need to do like a retrospective and take like elite players back and put them on like terrible conditions and be like, how the hell did you play on this? Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's do the rest of Wednesday's games. Uh, Leipzig beating uh, Kavina Sredsda 3-1 in Leipzig. Uh, Javi Simons with an unbelievable goal a in this beauty, game. A beauty, a uh, beauty. David Raum ironically popping up in loads of room <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> for, for, for his goal. Um, Royal Antwerp, they took the lead against Porto and then it was the goal before the thrashing. Patrick yeah. Forever Nilsson. Uh, Contributed to Porto's 4-1 win. By the way, the goals in this, check out the goals in that, they were beautiful. They were so Especially, good. I think the third one, the layoff mm. for Evan Nilsson to stroke mm. into the corner is just... Uh. So good. Um, Pepe became the oldest outfield player in Champions League history. But I think it was 40 in 200 odd days. It is unbelievable that Pepe is still playing elite level football. Not because he's not a brilliant football, because it's just... It's incredible. Yeah. It's like the Rolling Stones, man. He's having such a good time. 40 years old, playing, playing professional football in Porto, in mm-hmm. the Champions League. I mean, He's living your dream life. Is, That's the is. thing. Like, Pepe is. is literally living Musa dream life. He is. He's done it. He's, yeah, he's checked a all the bold boxes. Bold man, winning it all. Who got sent off when it meant something. All eyes on him. <laughs> uh, Manchester City beating Young Boys 3-1 in Bern. Holland is back in the goals. A penalty and another goal. A great goal, his second one, actually. Mm. Um, Followed Manuel Akanji's opener for Man City, but Elia 
Great goal. Yes, the lob. Beautiful lob. So, City, top of that group, maximum points. Leipzig, second. Those two, I think, are going to go through. Young boys and Kavena Svezda have a point each. Barcelona 2, Shakhtar 1. Shakhtar made it very interesting. Yeah. In the second half of Barca, should have kind of been out of sight. Yeah. Uh, got another youngster coming through, Femin Lopez. He's got a wonderful goal that made an unbelievable sound off the post. <laughs> I think this was probably the most aesthetically pleasing goal of the week. I actually, I thought that Celtic's first one was. Oh, save that Celtics, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Yeah, that, oh, Celtic, oh my God, they played some. I swear Kyogo scores this goal all the time. Yeah, but it's funny because people keep falling for it. Yep, true. It's so funny. But yeah, good week for Barca's youngsters. Yes, they're you know? fast. This is the thing, I was watching the Barcelona attack in the closing stages against, um, against Shakhtar. I was like, they are absolutely rapid. Right. They're absolutely rapid. And that is late in the game. That's your like, you know, when you're that quick, you can just defend high up the field because people know you're going to get in behind like that. I had horrible flashbacks to my, my last days of playing in the German football. Just, oh, me too. Me too. Just these youngsters running past me in the middle of midfield. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore, man. Like, my, <laughs> my final game we played, I was in defensive midfield. We played, we lost 3-0. And I felt like a traffic cone. Actually, no, even worse, I felt like a hedgehog trying to get off a traffic island in the middle of a roundabout and having to walk through five lanes. I was just a hedgehog, just I was terrified. Came off the field. I've never, the first time in my life, Ryan, I felt relieved after a game of Everton side football. <laughs> Do I you know what? Ironically, I was actually in the best shape I've ever been in. I was not. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I turned in a pre-season friendly and it felt like someone was pressing a knife into my knee. No. And uh, that was it. Anyway, where were we? Barcelona, Shakhtar, 2-1 yeah. Barca. Yeah. Um, good week for Barca's youngsters, like we mentioned. Uh, elsewhere in that group, that was the Porto-Antwerp game. Roll yeah. Antwerp, sorry. Uh, let's take a quick break. Yes. Actually, before we take, take a quick break, let's talk about Celtic 2, Atletico Madrid Loved this game. Two. Loved this game. What a game. Loved it. That first half was so good. Man. Celtic were brilliant. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I feel really, really bad they didn't get the three points here because they scored two, two superb goals, particularly mm. the first one, Kyogo Furuhashi. Okay, so there's a really, the reason this goal made me laugh, this is my favourite one too, is when you play the ball back out and then you come back in because almost no one tracks the runner that plays the initial pass. Iniesta loved it. Um, it was one of his favourite things. You run past the man, you're going to play the ball to, And also, before, the build-up to the initial one too that Kyogo plays, mind-blowing, touch play, one-two touch, chest pass. And the great thing is, I don't know who the name of the Atleti defender is, but the Atleti defender, when Kyogo Furuhashi plays the ball out of the box, he follows the ball out. And that is trolling because there's no intention of like, there's no intention of keeping the ball out of the pitch. And it's so funny that no one tracks it. I watched this goal again and again. I was like, hang on a minute. It's so funny how it always fools people because mm -hmm. the nature of like professional football at that level, like in the box, cut out. And then for some reason, everyone collapses on the edge of the box. No one follows the runner. And it just, we're hypnotized by it. Even me, when I watched the goal happen first, I was like, oh yeah, my, my eyes went to the top of the box. Didn't track the runner. Didn't think, what's Kyogo Furuhashi doing? And the finish is just, that's my favourite so goal. Of, that's my favourite goal of the round. A lovely sure. goal. Yeah. Um, Antoine Griezmann has grown. I oh, really? Because six years ago, after missing a penalty and putting in the sobbed. rebound, he's doing a little kind of like silly dance. dance or putting the L on his head. Yeah. And now he's, he just turned around, he was just like, oof. It's business. Yeah, but um, 
another good performance from him. That was I. Th- I actually thought in the second half, Atleti were really good. They were really, they were. really good. I think Celtic maybe kind of pipped the first half. In the second half, Atleti was so good, and I think, mm, I think out of the two managers, Diego Simeone is going to be the more disappointed because I think Atleti created the chances. They, uh, the possession was kind of pretty even, but I think Atleti. I think Atleti did enough to win the game. They were that's a really, really good point for. for Can I say also quickly Celtic. before we forget? Really happy for Morata this year. Some of the finishing we've seen from him and his goal was beautiful. That header was it's so difficult because so clever. Lorenzi does this amazing thing where actually, um, where he kind of like he wins a tackle, doesn't he? But then the ball kind of breaks, and I think just Greg Taylor doesn't engage. Yeah, and actually, if Greg Taylor goes to engage, I think he shuts that down. Right, I think he stands off. Um, horrible ball to defend against as well horrible ball to defend yeah but this is the thing the ball like Marcus Lorente's pass in is so good but it actually creates like a really difficult situation for Morata but how many times have we seen strikers just head that over the bar or go with their foot because it's too high yeah Yeah. and Morata gets brilliantly so gets underneath it across it and then angles it back across Hart it's Mm. such a clever and you know Hart obviously an excellent shot stopper loved this goal yeah, great game. Not the greatest result for either team, but yeah, a mini a mini classic. It's, mm. it's a classic thing of like, like, I tune in to watch Celtic Champions League evenings and I'm very rarely disappointed. Oh, always watch a Celtic home game in the Champions yeah. League. Just always do it. Shouts to Atleti, by the way, who uh, wore, <laughs> wore a kit to commemorate their uh, 1974 clash against Celtic, which is viewed as one of the Dirtiest games of football ever. <laughs> wow. It's the most Atleti thing to do, right? How times have changed. I know, I know. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. All right, so we need to go to Tuesday's games. Uh, Ian and I talked about Sevilla's, uh, Arsenal's win over Sevilla on Wright's house. If you want to go get a deep dive on that, go check that out. Um, I want to start with Real Sociedad. Mm. Because like to hear some some numbers Musa Konga I mean they, they beat Benfica 1-0 top of the group of 7 points into 2nd Alexandra Johnson posted this Real Sociedad and Imanol currently playing dominating and winning in the Champions League against Benfica with 7 players that Imanol previously coached at youth level at Real Sociedad in a game that they have to win that Benfica yep. like had to win the City was really like anxious about it yep. like and they came to and did it. Unbelievable. Phil Kitch from Elidus posted this. Real Sociedad at top of their Champions League group ahead of Inter and Benfica. Tonight, so Tuesday, six of their starting 11 had come through the Youth Academy and eight more on the bench. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It's genuinely incredible. Like genuinely. If you look, I mean, if you consider that when we, um, when they won the uh, Copa del Rey, Mm. And Imanol was in the, you know, the press conference. And we looked at that and we thought, this felt like the trophy that Real Sociedad deserved for the era of football they played. Yeah. And it felt like, without disrespect, it felt like the peak. I thought, how can it get better than this? In context, this is even more impressive. Mm. Because it's a level of performance and maturity achieved with, you know, lesser resources than, than other clubs of, you know, similar similar standing in the league and it has a sense of longevity about it 
this is a sustainable future. This is extremely exciting. I mean, it kind of, without sounding like, it kind of means a little bit more. It does. Things it does. Like that happen. It's huge. Yeah, it's and huge. You, it and you see, more. like we, you know, we we know about athletic clubs policy of only signing players born in the Bass region, and some criticise that, but it's something that that they push so much through their youth system that it gives them an identity and it gives them right you know like and actually it's something that Real Sociedad used to do I don't think a lot of people talk about this but Real Sociedad used to be the same they used to operate in the same way we were kind of joking a little bit about like Darren Fletcher being like Sean Longstaff is a local lad and Dan Byrne is born down the road and it matters that's just cool that's just cool to see these players who have come up together or like when we talked about Chelsea after the Abramovich sanction looked like they were going to go, really go on like the youth path mm. but how that wouldn't have necessarily been a bad thing. You've seen how Arsenal's relationship has changed when they have players that have come through the youth team. People adore Saka and Smith Rowe because they've come through mm. Hale End. Yeah. We talked about the great Barcelona side with all the Lamasia, the Lamasia golden generation. Like, Not being funny, but look at, look at Warren Zaya Emery. For Same sure. Thing. That's for it. sure. Like, you, like PSG, ha, ha, like, you the know. The new face of PSG, what they're trying to build actually is better for, I think, the club actually. I think, you don't have to be born from the area to have a connection with the club. Don't get no, me it's wrong. not that at all. It's, it's not just that. that it's, a connection. Yeah. A connection with a club, however you achieve it, is mm. it's just essential, right, for for fans. And I think if you can do it through the youth academy, obviously saving resources financially, um, it just has. I don't know that bond. That bond is, yeah. is 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 everything. We'll talk about Real Madrid briefly in a bit. This is no disrespect to Real Madrid. They're different sides right but clubs like Real Sociedad have to operate in a massively different way to Barcelona and Real Madrid and even Atleti yeah I just think in this era of football having a coach who's now the senior coach taking a load of players that he also coached at youth level probably to the Champions League knockout stages at the first go Mm. it's just really really fucking cool yeah it's huge that's it yeah yeah. just seeing them do well I think is good for La Liga Mm. I think it's good for football in general, actually. I agree. Seeing clubs like that succeed. Totally. And they just play some really good football as well. They've just got some really fucking good players. Like we talked about Kubo a load of times and like, you know, being getting flowers on Wright's house and all this kind of stuff. I wonder if he's the first Real Sociedad player to get flowers on Wright's house. As a Sociedad player, yes. I think Odegaard's got them before. So as a, Sos- as a Real yeah, Sociedad while player. while playing for Sociedad. I think yeah. Kubo's the first, yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah. so they beat Benfica 1-0 in Lisbon. Quick nod to Feyenoord beating Lazio 3-1. Inter beating uh, Salzburg 2-1. Not the biggest surprise of the result, but business-like, I think we can say. Yeah, good result there. Uh, made slightly harder work than they should have done, but Chalanolu with the winner, a penalty. Mm. Should we talk about Real Madrid? We're going to have to talk about Real Madrid, aren't we? Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Uh, beating Braga 2-1. Uh, another goal for Jude Bellingham. A beautiful Proving goal. that he can do it outside the six-yard box. As I said, every week I watch you beg him, he resembles a different great. So it was Baggio against Napoli. This time it's Tony Cruz. That style, isn't it? Just the low roll into the yeah. corner. There feels something inevitable about his interventions. And it's funny because the front two at Real have had a bit of criticism. Vinicius and Rodrigo. Which is not entirely fair because they're playing narrower than they normally do. Yeah, I think they're actually doing a pretty good job, all things considered. It's not easy, like, playing that If you close- look at that lineup, it looks like pure Hasenhutl Leipzig 
on paper in terms of formation. Right, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but it's so narrow and it puts a lot of pressure on on the forward players, actually. A lot yeah, of pressure. Yeah, they've got to do a lot of work. Yeah, you've got to create yeah. your own. You have to track in wide areas um, defensively because you've got that block midfield almost. You've got to like drop out wide and defend and then still get your, pick your shots up front. It's tough. Mm. And you're kind of, you're also running decoy sometimes for Bellingham because you're splitting when he arrives. So it's not an easy, not an easy role. And there, there have been criticisms. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, also the Real Madrid were helped by some very generous Braga defending, especially, <laughs> especially on Bellingham's goal. They were just like, oh, there's Jude. All right, Jude. Here you go. Oh shit, <laughs> someone needs to mark him. Guys, guys, guys. <laughs> like, can't be decisive. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't just rely on our beautiful stadium forever. We might actually have to go mark this guy. It's a shame for Braga because they played some good stuff this, uh, this tournament, but um, okay. maybe their least, uh, their least commanding outing. Mm. Uh, in the other game, just to quickly mention, Oh, Union, Union, this is, you know, this is actually now, so they've lost their like ninth streak, which you, you'd expect them to lose, I suppose. But the problem is, Union were really good in much of this game, but still lost. And you can say, look, it is the game that, the goal that won them the game came from a brilliant Quaric Scalia assist and one of the best dribblers and wine areas in Europe. Raspadori with the winner. And again, like a few clubs in Europe have the depth of Napoli, even with the, the sales they made in the summer. Mm. Napoli's depth is unbelievable. Like a player like Raspadori is not on the bench at most top European teams. He's going to have to be a starter. I, you know, he's a guy that scores regularly for, for Italy. Um, and that kind of highlighted the level that, that Union are now at. It, it highlighted the company they put themselves in. And the cruelty of all of this, unfortunately, is that even though it's a, an expected defeat, it's still a demoralizing one. Mm. It still adds to the sort of the negative column. And it still adds to the conversation around, oh, like if they played it out of first arrival, they get better results. Well, not necessarily because they're winning, they're, they're losing, they're losing Bundesliga games at home. Like they're losing. Yeah, I think it, I think, the, I know that they'd lost two games in the league before they went to Real Madrid, but I think that last minute, conceding that last minute goal and losing the game at the Bernabeu, I think, I think it, it's become a bit symbolic. Because yes. it was like, look how much effort we've put in. Look how good we were. And yet we still, like, I think it was cruel, that goal. I mean, it was, it was. very, it was a really like scrappy goal. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that, I think, I think, well, I think Union would have deserved a point. But then since then, you know, the last minute goal to Braga, um, here losing to Napoli, they've just not really like, it almost, how do I say it? I think the two defeats in the Bundesliga, I think there were Leipzig and Wolfsburg before they went mm. to the Bernabeu. You can kind of chalk them up, right? Yes, yes. Leipzig are Leipzig and uh, Wolfsburg can hurt anyone on their day. Mm. It was the, I think the, the, there was so much excitement and hype around that Bernabeu fixture, that Real Madrid fixture and going there for the first one in the Champions League. And I think it almost just like popped the dream balloon a bit. The part, oh my God, exactly this. It felt like the time the party was over. If you could look yeah, back at moment, it felt like, like yeah. oh shit, actually, this is really, this isn't, this is great that we're here, but the levels are just obscene. And, and I don't think, I, like, I'm not entirely sure that they would have gone on a run, for example, but I think if they'd come back from Madrid with a point, that is, 
like otherworldly for Union. Mm. I wonder if that had led to better performances or or better results after that. And I wonder whether that had. I mean, I I, I actually you mentioned like playing at the first array. I I I think they I think they beat Baraga at the first array. I actually mm. think they probably caused Napoli a few more problems because you are so close to the players at the first array. Playing at the Olympic Stadion, it's way more similar to playing at the at the Maradona, as I'm going to call it. Um, the first right is not. And actually, there are a few grounds in Serie A that resemble that, really. Maybe Sass, but not even. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think that it reminds me a little bit, not, it's a different level, but from when Arsenal went to Wembley for their Champions League Oh, that was games. horrible, horrible. And it's just like, it's... It benefited the away, the away team. Yeah, it does, because it's a really big deal for these clubs, right? And they can't even do it at home. They have to do it at their fucking rivals over the other side of town. It's robbing the fans of the matchday experience. The whole yeah. thing about the joy of having Real Madrid in Kerpenik is, it's the same matchday experience you've had for like 15 years, 20 years. And all of a sudden it's happens to be Real Madrid popping up. So your routine is completely the same. The pub is the same, the friends, the cafe, the chat, all of it. But that it's Real Madrid. And you've kind of brought... The beauty of European football is you're bringing Europe to your neighbourhood. Mm. That is the beauty of it. And when you can't do that, you've already lost something. Regardless now, of whether yeah. you win 3-0 like, and you get the train back, the S-Bahn back. And it's not the same. Not yeah. the same. And this is the thing. We know that there are regulations in place and we know that it's like, it's all about fucking money. But, but still, something was lost. I don't know why we're, we're maybe because it's gloomy and the clocks go back mm. this weekend. So, and like I say, we knew all this about Union before. We knew yeah. it was a shame, but it just feels like they can't really, they can't really catch a break at the moment. Now, like we said, you know, they're losing games at the first try as well in the league. So it's not really that, but I think it's because that Champions League stuff felt like filtered down to it. I think that's right. And I, I just want to, I suppose I want to say, I hope they just have fun in the last three games. And just focus on the league. For Rose Fisher as well, it might, it, they've been spread quite thin right mm. over the last few years. And they've, been, they've done an amazing job and I don't know how they've done it, to be honest. But maybe now is the point to be like, all right, we've got a lot of, you know, we've got Robin Gorsons coming, come in. We've got like people like Leonardo Bonucci. These are different players who were signing for Union two years ago. When, do you remember when Max Cruiser rocked up and everyone was just like, holy shit. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like no offense to Max Cruiser. You're starting to move into a different level here. But one of the main reasons for that is because they got Champions League football. Yeah. But Union is a really good club to be at. Playing football in Berlin, living in Berlin as a city, as a footballer, I think is an amazing, it's a pretty good gig. You know? It's good enough as a podcaster, frankly. You know, Jesus <laughs> Christ. But yeah, like it's, it's a good gig and I just hope that they don't all of a sudden lose a load of players next year because they can't offer them the things that they got this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, quickly, we need to shout out Galatasaray who, despite losing 3-1 to Bayern, really gave him some problems and Icardi. He is so at home there. Icardi listens to Stadio. He is loving it. Yeah, the Penenka. The Penenka. Not that anyone who does a Penenka now listens to Stadio, but there should be more of them. It's really but, funny that whenever people do do them, we start getting tagged in them. <laughs> 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 just, just, we're just like, <laughs> no, not even us. Gorgeous penalty um, from Icardi. Should have, um, should have scored a second. Mm. Should have put them 2-1 up. Kimmich making strange mistakes in this game. Rash tackling. You could argue actually Kimmich hasn't been necessarily his best level for a little bit. Um, 
Coman, by contrast, um, decisive. And Harry Kane just looking like the most comfortable Englishman in Bavaria, the most Bavarian non-Bavarian I've seen in a long time. He's loving it. Loving it. How long has he been there? Feels like two years, actually. Feels like five. Yeah, it does, really. It does. In yeah. fact, we're watching Loki season two, right? I'm not watching it. Haven't watched a minute of it. Why? Just... Just not feeling very superhero at the moment, right? Marveled out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, maybe. Anyway, there's a bit where uh, it's not really a spoiler, but if you if you really don't want to know anything, just skip forward twenty seconds or whatever. There's a bit where Loki prunes something and it reveals like actually it's like cack behind it, right? Like oh, the the real face. Maybe we're actually operating in multiple timelines, and and Kane actually signed for Bayern in 2011. Oh, and he was just dressed as Lewandowski the whole time. Maybe actually the Bayern number nine is always the same person, just putting on different disguises. Mm. I mean, because they always have good nines, don't they? They somehow, when everyone else is running around Europe, going, oh, we've got no striker. Bayern's like, no, we're fine. We're done. They've got Chupa Moteng to come off the bench, who is one of the most disrespected number nines in world football. It's giving, it's giving Giroud. He's getting, he's getting his flowers, though. Yeah, good. And good, rightly so. Like, you know, like sixth man of the year vibes, Chupa Moteng. Yeah. Good win for Bayern in the end, this 3-1. They are comfortably top of the group, nine points. Galatasaray, four points. Manchester United really needed that win against Copenhagen. Mm. Um, Ian and I talked a little bit about Harry Maguire and Andre Onana. Onana. What a save. <laughs> I wish he'd started his career at United like that. But my God, you know, it's so funny when he got mobbed after saving it. So obviously Maguire with the winner, which was huge for him. But Onana saving this penalty late on, the way his teammates mobbed him, mm. knowing what, like he's, like, he's clearly a popular figure, like in and around the club. He's clearly popular. Um, and just the way they went to him afterwards, not just because he saved the game, but because of what he needed. You felt you could really feel that. You really feel that. Scott McTominay was, you could see the relief in Scott McTominay's face. Him My winning, God. yeah, yeah. Like he Why is does Scott having, McTominay continue to be on a journey? He's having a strange time, isn't he, with those concessions? Penalty concessions. Scott McTominay's like, and like a cat that you've had for ages. <laughs> all of a sudden just starts like, it's like, what the fuck is, hang on a minute, what, I don't know what's wrong with this guy, but like he's acting up. Or like, like a, mid, a midlife crisis, what are you talking about? <laughs> I suppose cats have midlife crisis at like four, right? Yeah, d- definitely, yeah, yeah. Is Scott McTominay having a mid-football life crisis? Do you think players, oh my God, do you think players actually have like mid-career crises? Where it's the same as a midlife crisis, but they happen at, they happen to happen at around 25, 26, 27, because that's like when they're getting into Walcott's law territory. Are they a prospect? Are they? A, I think they must. Yeah, they, they must do because you get a sense of like something slipping this is away. So interesting. Why have we not yeah, talked about this yeah. before? Well, because you get a sense that like okay, things are slipping away, and sometimes it doesn't always manifest as a crisis. It manifests as it could be a centre back suddenly like banging it from 30 yards. They've never scored before from 30. They're like, I might as well Marlon try. Vibes. <laughs> well, so, yeah, might as well try it, you know, might, might as well, you know, like it's been that long. I think you do get that naturally. Is that like, so a centre back smashing one in from 30 yards when they're around 26, 27, 28 years old, is that the equivalent of like a divorced dad buying a motorbike? Well, I think, yeah, I think maybe it is actually. Yeah. yeah. There are just things you can't do anymore. Thoughts on Manchester United? They are third in the group. I mean, look, it's a good result, but it's one result. Um, just glad to sort of get back in the mix. Um, and primarily just happy for Inanna. 
that's it. Mm. They go to Copenhagen next. I don't think they're going to vibe that well off that atmosphere. I just don't think you can tell. This is the problem. It's such a... I don't know what to expect each week, actually, from this collection of, of players. I just don't really... I honestly don't know. Could be gutsy way performance where someone steps up with the brace or could be a washout. You just don't know. That's the problem. Mm. There's no there's no baseline. There's no baseline of expectation at this point. Mm. All right, final game. Lons uh, and PSV drawing one all in Arsenal's group. Two goals from youngsters. Two very nice goals from youngsters. Yeah, which means that Arsenal top of that group. Six points. Lons five points. Sevilla two and PSV two. Arsenal host Sevilla in the next match day. But yeah, go and listen to Wright's House if you want more on that. Any other football stuff you want to talk about from this week? Nothing immediately springs to mind. I mean, we are recording this ahead of finding out whether Sandro Tonali, what Sandro Tonali's ban will be. Mm. Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Maybe we'll touch on that on Monday. Mm. Manchester Derby on Sunday. You can talk about that on Wright's House. But what's your gut saying, Musa? I mean, <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Thanks. Uh, Sorry, did, did you not want reminding of it? No, no, I didn't actually. I think you're going to win. I mean, I think you're going to win. I mean, I got a feeling. <laughs> what I will say is, City are not themselves at the moment. Not yet. Not quite. I think they're okay. I just think they need um, they need to make it a little bit more difficult before they click into gear, huh? Right. Absolutely. We haven't seen City's final form yet. This who year, will so be the Who will be the enemy? The catal the the, the the catalyst. Yes, it's rather not us. Rather not us, actually. I'm ducking it. I'm absolutely ducking it. All right. Well, <laughs> instead, you're going to talk about it for ages on Writing's House on Friday. There you go. How's That's that make fine. you feel? Happy, happy to Happy now? Yeah, absolutely. Delighted. <laughs> delighted. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. Um, we'll be back on Monday. But until then, if you want to check the Stadio Actress playlist on Spotify, all the tunes we play out on each week. And this week, we're playing, this episode, we're playing out on Follow Me by Phase 2. Great intro. This is like the, the build up to this. It's just like a slow, sounds like a jam. So sick. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Musa Gonga? Nothing further. Are you sure? Absolutely sure. Just do, just add one thing. I'm not adding anything. Do it. I've given enough. <laughs> I'm not entertained. I've given, I've given enough. Standing here with my arms out at the I'm end of each podcast. Standing up right at the end of each podcast. <laughs> Musa does do that actually Musa does at the end of each podcast he's just That's the Jude Bellingham celebration <laughs> alright everyone have a lovely weekend much love we'll be back with you on Monday see you then <laughs>